Hello. Just a little note to say that the episode you're about to listen to was recorded before the surprising news of Kelly Durham's sacking, an event that will certainly be a defining moment for the club. We'll be releasing a special episode looking at what's happened shortly, but for now, here's episode 19. Enjoy. Jimmy Smith goes for the shot in the back of the net. Keep your eye on goal of the day. That's got to be a contender early on. He takes the right for the shot. Oh my goodness me! And you, as a Crawley fan, begin to believe the three points are yours. It's the best night of Crawley Town's lives. And there may be more to come. It's episode 19 and, well, there's so much to talk about. The continued slump, a sacking, some signings, all in this festive period of the season. Welcome to the Straight Red Podcast. Well, yes. Hello and welcome to the Straight Red Podcast. I'm Jonathan and, as always, Ewan is sat opposite me, raring and ready to give his opinions and thoughts that are bound to incite some sort of reaction, aren't they, Ewan? They, they generally do. I mean, I think I speak for the masses, but there's sometimes some people that disagree, as we had in episode 18. So in episode 19, we have all the usual. So fixture review, matches coming up, Broadfield buzz, the big question and added time. But before we do all of that, shall we dive into some feedback? Let's look at some feedback, Jonathan. There wasn't too much, which is quite nice. And it was 95% very positive as well. So just quickly from the forum, no names. Uh, just finished listening and yet again, an honest and clear points of view podcast. It's better listening to this than watching the dross that's served up on the pitch, to be honest. Well done, chaps. Thank you very much. Uh, another one, great listen. I really like the fact that you had, I really like the fact that you had Naomi on the pod and was a good way of showcasing the Wasps and how well they are doing. I feel like the straight red bingo will go down a shitstorm, especially with the club officials. However, it doesn't bother me. We'll come on to that later, Jonathan. <laughs> um, another one, a very good listen. These podcasts are getting better and better and very professionally done. It allows supporters to voice their opinions and looking forward to the next one. Um, final one on the forum was good to hear about the Crawley Wasps. Naomi came across very well. Shame they are playing in East Grinstead. They are clearly interested in getting involved with Crawley Town. I would have thought that there was some type of project Erdem and Salim could focus on while leaving the men's side to Chioffi and the team. It was Chioffi. Um, so these are obviously from a few weeks ago. And just quickly jumping in there. Naomi was brilliant, wasn't she? Yeah, she, cracking. She was so good. It was great. Welcome back anytime, honestly. Absolutely. Um, a few from Facebook. Again, no names. Great podcast. Always love listening to these. Perfect example of what us fans are thinking most of the time. Somebody said, first time I've listened to the podcast. Must say I'm extremely impressed, impressed with the quality of it and how it's been put together. I'm, I'm really amazed that we still get new listeners yeah, this far in. Still getting them. And Peter Bellamy said, I'll save you any feedback this time so we don't get into a long discussion again. What? I think it's because our feedback sessions are usually quite involved in, this and, is in discussion. All, this is all about discussion, Peter. You know how it works. And there was one bit of feedback. Um, we won't say anything. It was a private message, so we won't say the name. However... I'll let, do you want to do it, Jonathan? Because it was regards something you said. Yeah, so I said that, that a storm had been kicked up on, on Twitter regarding um, a tweet that Paul put out and uh, also the CTSA. Um, the CTSA hadn't replied officially to what Paul has said, 
but I believe it was mentioned in our podcast that the CTSA might have come back. I think they did. In, in actual fact, they didn't come back and didn't give an official reply. There was just a load of people, a load of punters giving their opinions and stuff. So apologies for that. We, we weren't absolutely journalistically clear with what we were saying. We were just discussing our opinions and thoughts, and we should have probably checked that first. Should, should have fact-checked, shouldn't we? Hey. Yes. Um, right. I mean, and that's it. That is our quickest ever feedback section. Please always give me feedback. We do love it and we will respond to it. If we get anything wrong, let us know and we'll rectify. But otherwise, let us know how we're getting on. We like to change things and keep making things better. Right, Jonathan, straight into then our match roundups. Only three games since our last podcast. The first one was the game against Exeter City at home, losing 1-0. Now, not a completely awful performance against a good team sitting near the top of the league, but a horrific refereeing decision, which ultimately cost us at least a point, maybe even a win against them as well. Um, and after that terrible decision, they went down the other end and, and scored the goal that beat us 1-0. Only three shots on target in that game. So going downhill slightly again still. And when we look back at things, we constantly hear, oh, we got a bad bad run of luck, unlucky breaks, etc., etc. But they even out over the course of a season. Yes, it was bad luck for the decision. However, what we'll come on to in a second is you've got to be beating the teams at the bottom of the league. And that's not what we've been doing recently. Um, we'll jump to Stevenage in a second. But in between that, we had the FA Cup game. Jonathan, your thoughts on the FA Cup run coming to um, a fairly abrupt end in the Second round. Yeah, to be honest, uh, when I came into the match, I, I was I was there um, commentating. I thought Crawley were holding up well, and and they were holding up pretty well. Going, you know, coming coming up to the halftime break, didn't see any way of them scoring, but I thought they were holding out a League Two, a League One team, sorry, pretty well. And then Fleetwood scored just past the fortieth minute mark, and I thought, well, that's that's the nail in the coffin for Crawley. They they're out of this. And then three minutes later, Ollie Palmer equalizes. Kind of happened because um, a, a Fleetwood defender made a, sort of a mistake that allowed the ball to bounce through. But really, you know, credit between Nadison and, and Ollie Palmer for, for their link-up play there. It, it was it was top class. And Ollie Palmer, great finish from him. Really pumping going into the break. I thought Crawley might might stand a chance here of seeing out a draw or even picking up a winner because they, they sort of went in at half-time, I would say, just on the front foot. Second half, though... Again, they kind of went back inside their shell and, well, Fleetwood picked up a, a goal in the 66th minute and f as soon as they scored that goal, it was really was the nail in the coffin for Crawley. Didn't see at all any way of them coming back. No real plan B from Gabriel Trophy, or it didn't seem to be, and he was only substituting like-for-like -like players again, which is a, a big frustration. I think that was the massive frustration. So you're 2-1 down, chasing the game in the second round of the FA Cup, looking for a third place um, or, or a third round ball in the hat. And then he swaps out the left back again. I mean, we can talk about this now in hindsight. We know he's gone. We're going to come on to that in Broadfield Buzz. But it's these things that were watching the game. I mean, I wasn't there. You were at the game. I, I was um, away on family duty. But um, I was, of course, watching it on Twitter. And you're thinking, what? Swapping out your left back. It's just the most bizarre substitutions. And no doubt that was a, a very small contribution to his um, leaving the club. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's difficult to talk about these games now because we know what's happened and we know we're moving forward. We can put all of this behind us. But still, to go out of the FA Cup again, at least we won one game this time. But uh, out of the FA Cup... And the, the, the season's all about the league again now, and that's not even particularly exciting either. It was, and 
Um, there was only two shots on target in that FA Cup match, and that kind of seemed to be a trend even in league matches as well. Hardly any shots on target. And also, I know, like you said, you and we already know that the manager's gone, but something interesting to note, I thought, um, when I came outside of the ground after that FA Cup match, there was a, a group of fans, a large group of fans, I think we put a photo on our um, Twitter account, sort of gathered in a huddle, and I thought, oh, what's, what's going on here? Is there a fight or something going on, something tasty? Turns out I walked over, it was uh, Zaya Erin and, you know, Salim and Erdem and, and some others gathered there with the fans around them. And uh, the fans seemed to be asking quite a few uh, angry uh, but concerned questions as well. I didn't hear it personally myself because I couldn't hear too much because I was right at the back of the group. But quite a few different fans told us as a podcast that Zaya said that change needs to happen. And that was on the Sunday. Gabriel was sacked on the Monday. Yeah, I mean, what, I wasn't there. What was the atmosphere like in that group? You said it was maybe angry or was it constrained? I, th I think there was a bit of uh, tension in the air. But when whatever Zaya said to them, as soon as they left, fans were happy. There was quite a few smiles and a few people joking around, which wasn't the atmosphere when I joined the group. So whatever he said seemed to please a quite a few fans oh they go and like you said the day after that game Gabriel Cheffy was relieved of his duties so no more Gabby again we'll talk about that a bit more in Broadfoot Buzz we don't want to sort of muck up the order of the way we do things too much so after that game um, Gabriel Cheffy sacked the following day Edu Rubio put in temporary charge then we go away to um, play Lansing but Southern nil. I mean, that is a tasty score. I know it's Lansing, but it's still a tasty scoreline because we famously had some pretty poor games in this Sussex Senior Cup recently um, or over recent years. So, uh, you know, a, a slight peak in performance, maybe. And then uh, John Yem's placed in charge. And then we go away to Stevenage. And you've, you always hope for that sort of new manager bounce a little bit, don't you? Um, didn't happen. Nil-nil against Stevenage. To, to go against our, or go with our 1-1 versus Morecambe. So two points against the bottom two teams in the league. They're the games you've got to be winning. So not the best start for John. Um, we'll come on to him as well in Broadfield Buzz, but not the greatest start. So Crawley currently lying. Let's have a live update at the table. Uh, Crawley lying 16th in the table. Played 20, 22 points. So we are now very nearly at the halfway mark of the season. Seven points off the relegation zone. Uh, eight, nine, ten points off the playoff places. I mean, it's not impossible, is it? I mean, with a good run over Christmas, we've got six games coming up in the next 20 days. A good run over Christmas, you can stick yourself in the top half and have a good run through January and February. It's not. It's absolutely not impossible. So, um, fingers crossed something can come um, of the next few games over the festive period. Again, I think it was just how many go... <laughs> How many shots on target was it in that game the other day against it? It was something like one or two again. At the start of the season, Crawley famous for how many shots on target and shots we were having. We were right up there on all the XG stats. And um, now it just seems to have absolutely dissipated into nothing. So that is our match roundup pretty much done, isn't it? There's only three games, not a lot to talk about, to be honest. More to talk about elsewhere. But one thing to mention, I know it's all gone past now, but reference the Carabao Cup. We lost. Okay, in the fourth round. Would have been a fifth round tie against Manchester United, who Colchester now go on to play. If we had beaten Colchester, rumour has it, and it's been 99% confirmed by a member of staff as well with a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, we would have been kicked out of the Carabao Cup anyway for playing two illegible players. I, I, 
I just don't know how that can happen in this modern day of football. Surely that the officials would, would file their match reports at the end of the game and then it gets digitally sent to you. And maybe if there's a player that's suspended, you get a digital report sent by the league saying these players are suspended. Please don't play in the next match. Or before the match is played, would the officials not check the players in the starting lineup versus some sort of um, blacklist that they might have? Yeah, so apparently it was two yellow cards in the Carabao Cup this season equals a one-game ban. Uh, Bully, Reese Gregor Cox and Kamara were all booked in the game against Norwich and Stoke. Kamara was an unused sub versus Colchester. However, the other two guys, Bully and Reese Gregor Cox, were used. And uh, that was carried over into the Exeter City game, which we subsequently lost. If they'd been on the pitch, who knows? Might not have made any difference whatsoever. But what an admin error. I mean, heartbreak anyway to go out of the uh, Carabao Cup the way we did. But imagine getting through, drawing Man United away, then getting told, sorry, can't play. Yeah, probably the nicer of the two ways to go out, it I probably suppose. was in hindsight, yeah. Um, so that is the match roundup. Um, all done. Not too many positives to talk about. Let's have a look at the matches coming up. So yes, looking ahead now onto matches coming up. And like you mentioned uh, a second ago or so, Ewan, there is a lot of games in this fixture period. We, I mean, it's famous, isn't it, for, for a lot of games. But just to put a number on that, six games in three weeks, or I think it's 20 days or so that those six games fall in. So quite a packed fixture for what I think is now quite a small, strong red team. As in, at the beginning of the season, I thought we had a, quite a large squad that was broadly quite strong. Now I think we have quite a small squad that is strong. And so I think we are going to suffer and it's going to be about endurance as much as it is about you know putting on the performance in the every second of the game to get us through this period so to quickly whistle through them Port Vale at home is our first and that's coming up this Saturday the 14th I'm going to go for a win Ewan what, what are you reckoning it's the first home game for Yem so I'm sort of hoping it's going to be some sort of first home game I miracle think, I mean we haven't won a league game in God knows how long but I think a point would be nice they're currently sitting 10th lost their last two games so maybe a win first home game in charge for Yem's but I think looking at the table just take another point for now just don't lose any games keep getting points away from that 24th place and then we move on to an away game to Oldham and the following Saturdays, that's Saturday 21st. They currently sit in 21st on 20 points. So that's two points below where Crawley are. I'm going to go for a win based upon my win in the match against Port Vale and the momentum. Again, we've already dropped points to Stevenage Morecambe. Got to be getting wins against teams in the, bo uh, in the bottom six. And then on to Boxing Day, Northampton at home going for a draw. I will go for a loss, unfortunately. So a bit of Boxing Day sadness there if you're in uh, the Dunlop household. Then Grimsby away on the 29th. Draw from me as well for that. Uh, sitting 20th at the moment. Not one in their last five at least. Lost three, drawn two. I'll go for a win at, against Grimsby. And then Colchester away on New Year's Day. Bloody, I'm going for a loss. Bloody Colchester. They're doing <laughs> well. Three wins in their last five. Not lost in the last five as well. One point outside the playoff places. One point apiece. Okay, okay, going for a draw. And then three days later, Forest Green Rovers at home. So many fixtures. I haven't bothered uh, commenting on that because it's so far away. But yeah, just so many fixtures in such a short period of time. Essentially, I suppose it would be nice to have, what, seven, seven points out of those six? It, it, it would be nice to be a dozen points ahead of Morecambe or Stevenage at the bottom two. 
I think uh, it's horrible to look over your shoulder. I'd much rather be looking up at the moment, but let's just get away. I think the biggest saving grace is only one team goes down this year. Um, so the worst team will drop and we are not the worst team in League Two. And just as a comparison, last podcast, Crawley were 16th on 21 points. Now they're 16th on 22 points. One ruddy point. So where do you think they're going to be when we do our next podcast? We are going to be in 15th place on 27 points. Nice. We'll see if that happens. So, Jonathan, it's already time for Broadfield Buzz. Lots to talk about. Two big talking points. The first one is, he's gone. Choffy has departed on good old mutual terms. So there was a club announcement. It was with great regret that Crawley Town announced the departure of Gabriel Choffy from the club on Monday. Uh, this decision was an extremely difficult one, bearing in mind that Gabriel was at the forefront of bringing our team some historic moments, taking us further than we ever have in the League Cup and beating Premier League opposition for the first time. Undoubtedly, some very, very good memories with Gabriel Choffy in charge. We won't forget them. However, the results on a whole what it all comes down to and it wasn't good enough in the end yeah and there were loads and loads of messages left on every social media platform that i um, could cast my eye upon uh were basically leaving um good farewell messages to chioffi there were even quite a few messages of, of fans um being quite sad towards the fact that he was sacked still so quite a few of the uh chioffi in brigade were voicing their opinion yeah nobody dislikes the guy Nobody dislikes the man, Gabriel Choffi. However, fans are concerned that we're just not progressing as a football club and he is at the head of the team. Um, fantastic start to the season, undoubtedly great cup run, but over the last two months or so, it's just been indefensible. And I'm still sat here now, it's been a good week now, and I'm still amazed they actually did it in the end. And you, you try and think, well, what was it that pushed it over the line? Was it Zaya Erin? Was it that conversation outside the football club, Zaya being here, actually seeing face-to-face -face the fans' frustration that made him go inside that building and said, yeah, that's it, it's done. And I think that was probably the last point of this side of Christmas that they probably could have made that call because we're now going into such a heavy run that you make the call too close to Christmas and, well, can you find someone in, in charge uh, in, in enough time? And also, is a new manager going to come in and put their philosophy in in enough time for the January transfer window as well? You don't want to be making that change too close to January, do you? Absolutely. And um, I know usually you, do, you usually do some good numbers and stats. I've spent some time this afternoon putting some numbers together for you. You made okay? me nervous there for a second. I thought you were going to ask me no, for some numbers. No, I don't have no, them. No, not at all. I just thought I'd compare with it because there's still people, although the majority was saying, yes, it's the right decision to let him go and a lot of people wanted him gone. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say majority quite confidently or some people will say, oh, you can't say majority. You've only got 10% of the fan posts on your bolt. But um, you'd be blind not to think that um, the majority didn't want him going. Um, so, Gabriel Choffi, 72 games in charge, a 29% win rate. Okay, so that's our base point at the moment. And I've done the same for the last few managers, just so we can compare other managers that left as well. So, Choffi, 29% win rate. Harry Cure, 57 games in charge, 31.6% win rate. Right? Dermot Drummy, 54 games in charge, 27.8% win rate. Mark Yates, 47 games. 27.7% win rate. Richie Barker, 75 games, 37% win rate. 
I remember when Richie Barker left and we hadn't scored in about a year and we hadn't got a point for a few months either. But looking back, 37% is not bad whatsoever. But then you jump to Steve Evans, obviously different situation with the investment, etc. But 266 games, 48% win rate. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, better doing because it's more games to, to choose from, right? So, so Gabriel Choffi on 29%, that was a better win rate than Dermot Drummy and Mark Yates. Yeah, I think it is, you know, when you're in the situation, it's very hard to not feel outside that situation, remember what it was like before. So I think there is a bit of that in there as well. But also, yeah, rightly so, we should maybe be aiming for higher than a 29% win rate, shouldn't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. And I mean, I don't think anybody in the in the near future is going to achieve that sort of 48% that Steve Evans did, unless there's a new cash injection from somewhere. Um, but... Uh, less than th three of our last four managers have achieved less than 30% win rate. I think that's where the struggle is. The only, only one that was over it was Harry Kuehl on 31% after 57 games. Do you think um, the sort of director board ownership has maybe shot themselves in the foot here a little bit by coming out so forthright at the beginning of the season saying we're gonna, we've got a top eight budget and setting those expectations so high? I mean, at the start of every season, you've got to set targets and they've got to be higher than they were in the previous season. So I don't think there's anything wrong whatsoever with saying this season we're going to aim for top 10. I think the fans have got to expect that. And with the team we have at the start of the season um, and, and the supposed top 10 budget, there's no reason for them not to say, let's go for top 10. But again, Things have gone wrong. Decisions have gone the wrong way. There's been some bad sort of lineups and terrible substitutions. Um, and it's all sort of fallen apart again. And I mean, if you got them, are you not? Again, that's a massive cash injection. Things can change and we can say we ride our luck, but you don't ride your luck when you, you can't get points off the, off the bottom few teams. Um, so I, I'd be not surprised at all whatsoever if again this summer we said, right, we're going for top 10 again. I would expect that if our budget is top 10, but we're not actually doing it that's the problem and the problem has been over the last few seasons has it been the wrong man in charge of the team whether it whether it's Harry Kuhl or Gabriel Joffrey Dermot Jeremy doesn't matter who it is it's not been yet the right person the manager to take the team forward yeah and like Naomi said in last um, podcast that we did manager is always the easiest finger to point at when you're during a season because you can't really change the players Absolutely. So um, he has gone. Cisse, Kamara uh, and several other players gave very public and uh, lovely messages for Gabby. And again, the, the guy himself, absolutely top bloke. And one thing that I'm really happy for him is he was only spending about one day a fortnight with his family back in Italy. So hopefully he can get a good break and spend some more time with them. Um, there were members of staff as well leaving like, nice messages. Tom Ullman left a great one. Um, Erdem left a fantastic one as well. And um, I'm going to read Erdem's out. Why? Because we like Erdem and we appreciate Erdem's opinion. We always have and we always will. So he said on Twitter, I'd like to personally thank Gabby for all his efforts, endeavour and milestones achieved at the club. You made history and created some unbelievable memories that will live with us forever. A man of integrity, honour and always put the club first. I'm sure you will go on to achieve further things in your career. You deserve the best. Thank you for the memories. Forza Chioffi. And, no, no, uh, um, Nolly Sadir. Uh, Forza Chioffi, <laughs> yeah, ended with. And uh, Forza, I did some research, can mean many things, but generally it means strength or force. But the imperative, Forza, means quickly or come on. So, come on, Chioffi. 
Um, yeah, loads of lovely messages. Gabby as well left a or wrote a, a fairly long letter to the fans. I'm not going to read that one out. It's too long for the podcast. But go on the club website or the club Twitter and it is available. You can read it. He is clearly very passionate about the club. Anybody that's within the club, um, if you speak to them about his passion inside and what he goes on and, and how much effort you put in, it is it is undeniable how much of his time and effort and life he put into Crawley Town. Yeah, and develops a load of people yeah, as well, personally. It just didn't it just did not translate onto the surface on um, on the playing surface on a Saturday, unfortunately. So after all that we can put everything behind us now. The Chioffi and Out debate has gone on for quite a long time. Um it's irrelevant now. It's past. Gabriel Choppy has left and John Yems is in. So John Yems in charge. And uh, I mean, I sort of run our Twitter account 80% of the time, Jonathan. And to be honest, other than when we had a rumour that John Yems was coming in and Lee Bradbury was going to be his assistant, I put a tweet out saying, what are your thoughts, Red fans? And it was a little bit underwhelming. And there was a responses um, along the likes of Branchy said, as much as I would like to see an experienced League Two manager, i.e. Tisdale, he does tick a lot of boxes. Good coach, good eye for a player, good in the transfer market, knows the football pyramid and he knows the area well enough to hit the ground running. Craig Bratt said, get supporting the mighty, mighty Reds, in my opinion, as regards to New York. Doesn't matter who's in charge, just support the team. Completely agree. Simon Smith said, good appointment, local guy, excellent contacts in English, game from... Game from time at Southampton. Key thing is to let him get on with it. Erdem and Salim should take a moment to move on to new opportunities, leaving Yemis to manage the football and Kelly the club. Catherine Oliver said, time to get behind the new boss. Bruce Wells, whoever it is, let's hope they're not subjected to the abuse from the usual individuals after a poor run of results like the last guy. Um, Bruce, it wasn't just a poor run of results. It was a poor six months. Uh, John Jens hasn't managed a team above the Isterman League, though, which is a, a very good point. And DF Crawley fan said, John Yams on the face of it, pretty good appointment for the rest of the season. Looks like a pragmatic move. Similar appointment to Derminer, except he knows the club already. Quite top heavy if uh, if Edu stays on though. Um, so positive, but not full of excitement for like a, a proper experienced League Two manager. I think the shrewdest thing about all of this is that these sign a contract until the end of the season. So if things don't go right, it's not going to be an expensive buyout. Um, he's got his job to the end of the season to see how he gets on. Yeah, and it'd be very interesting to know whether or not the um, directors are actually planning a, a big, more expensive manager in the summer. And obviously they'll have the time to, to put that in place. An interesting point just off the back of that last comment about whether it's too many coaching staff having Rubio staying do you think there is too many coaching staff or is it only a good thing? It does seem like quite a lot, especially with Lee Bradbury in there as well. So we've got a manager, two coaches, three assistants. I lost track, to be honest. Analysis, assistant analysis, yeah, all that kind absolutely. of thing. Yeah, There's a lot of people in there. And I mean, you know, too many cooks spoil the broth, maybe. Um, but who knows? But but then again, you can say um, sort of two heads are better than one at the same time. So it's all... Where'd you go? I mean, we've always had a lot of people this season behind the scenes. Gabby brought in about six, seven people, didn't he, in the summer, um, which hasn't worked. So maybe there are too many people behind the scenes. I think it's great to have Edu there. His, his energy is infectious. Even when we're down, his energy is just incredible. Absolutely love the guy. And I think you need somebody like that in the changing room. Now, after the official club post on Twitter and social about John Yems being appointed, 
a few more comments. So people were underwhelmed. Jason, Graham, Davies said, here we go again. And Martin King said, very pleased with the appointment. Onwards and upwards, John. So still very much a mix of opinions. People were expecting, I think, a League 2 manager or League 1 with some more experience. Some ridiculous names were thrown about, but somebody more experienced than John Yems, I think people were anticipating, along with myself. I didn't know much about the guy whatsoever, um, only that I knew he'd been involved in Crawley before. It was just before my time. So I, I knew the name and he does seem to know the club very well. He is local, which is obviously a, a, a beneficial. Um, so just quickly, if you're wondering who is John Yems, like a lot of people were from the club website, when they said they're delighted to announce his appointment. Um, John has asked Danny Borman to be involved in his management team. So again, it's another one added from a player to a manager. Um, when Jimmy Smith comes back, when he hope, we hope he does, where does he fit in now? But uh, carrying on with this um, uh, piece on the club website, Edo Rubio will be in remain on the coaching staff in his current role. It will be John's second spell in charge of the Reds alongside Ben Judge and David Woosley. He led Reds to conference safety on the last day of 2006-2007. John was assistant to Exeter manager Paul Tisdale for 18 months from 2009, spent six years with Bournemouth, played an important part in the Cherries' rise from League One to the Premier League where he was football operations manager, part of Eddie Howe's management team, had responsibility for coaching and recruitment. He's also worked at Fulham, Crystal Palace, Millwall, Torquay and Gillingham. Spent the last couple of years doing some scouting and he's got a UEFA A licensed coach. So although not managed at this level, clearly an extremely experienced guy within football itself, the pyramid, contacts, um, coaching. Spotting talent as well, which is what the structure of this club wants. Maybe it is a really good appointment. I just don't know. I, um, it's, And I'll say that very openly. I, I, I don't know if this is a good appointment or not. I think the best thing about it is it's until the end of the season. That's really, really clever. So they can let him go at the end if it's not going well. Um, and it gives them sort of four or five months to maybe scout out a very experienced League One, League Two manager. And at the end, if they go through those conversations, but John Yams is doing very, very well, they can close off those talks and carry on with John. So who knows? Um, so that is one manager out, one manager in. Um, time for our next piece of Broadfield Buzz. And Jonathan... I'm going to introduce this with B-I-N-G-O B-I-N-G-O and Bingo was his name Straight Red Bingo! Bingo! Didn't go down that well. Um, as was alluded to in the feedback section from the forum, um, somebody predicted it might go down a shitstorm. And, well, it was kind of killed off right at the start. I, I still think it was a fairly good idea and just to be very clear it was just a bit of fun just having a laugh nothing against Erdem whatsoever um because as we've said in the past on several episodes we love Erdem's input we think it's great I think he's great ambassador for the club very passionate um his his poster just getting a bit samey that was all it was just a bit of fun but hey ho uh, commercial manager and um, head of uh, the fun police, Joe Comper, he replied the following day, because he, he doesn't listen to the podcast. He said that very openly. Doesn't listen to his own the club podcast either. Don't know why that's, what's happened to that now. But um, he doesn't listen to the podcast. So he, he wasn't aware that it was a bit of fun. And we do like Odin very, very much. But uh, the next day, if you haven't listened to episode 18, 
Straight Red Bingo was a bit of fun where we put eight, or I, not, not going to lay this on you, Jonathan, <laughs> I put eight comments together, and if you saw any of those comments, it was like, Nolly Sidiri, this team will compete, etc., etc. You just shout Straight Red Bingo on Twitter, anybody that says it. And um, Joe came back the next day and said, this was his tweet, uh, football fans, we want the club to engage. Also football fans, let's take the piss out of people who are willing to engage. We are lucky that Erdem Konya tweets at all, in my opinion. Let's appreciate the openness before we get the silence. And then, to be fair, he did finish with hashtag keep the faith, hashtag knowledge So he was having a little <laughs> poke of fun. But um, it was fun. And we will never, ever stop trying to make this podcast a bit of fun and make light of... Uh, situations when things aren't going our ways. And I, I personally, I will never, ever apologise for trying to make things amusing, trying to just pull something out of the darkness. Comedian at heart. And that's all we were trying to do. So if it offended you, um, I'm not sorry. Um, <laughs> you need to um, have a look in the mirror, have a little humour transplant maybe. And I, I really think... Although there was a bit of jest in Joe's reply at the end, I think it was a really poor PR move. Um, it was just no no humour from within the club whatsoever. I think it was a very quick reaction. I think the best thing the club could have done was take the piss out of us in return and purposely drop in loads of those comments and make us look like knobs um, for taking the piss out of Erdem a little bit. Well, there was a little bit of fun, wasn't there, up in the commentary position where um, the sandwiches <laughs> sit, right? What, what was up there, you Ewan? There was. Uh, when um, me and Jonathan went to the next game, there was a picture of Nolly. Right, I spelt Nolly wrong. That's the most That's the most annoying thing to me <laughs> in that whole thing. I spent Nolly, I spelt, I spelt Nolly N-O-L-E instead of N-O-L-I. And, um, and then Noel Sidiri came from um, Tom Ullman. And then the next game, up in the um, press box, there was a nice big picture of Noel Edmonds. Um, but I, I did deface it. I did scribble on their hashtag straight red bingo. Um, but hey, yeah, just a bit of fun. And to be fair to Joe, the next day, when um, before the game, we did put out a tweet saying, good luck, everybody. Um, look forward to seeing you at the game later on this afternoon. Come on, you Reds. He did reply with... Um, I think this team will compete today, Nolly Sidiri. <laughs> so it, all, all love in the end. Um, so again, if it offended you, um, no apologies, and we'll, we'll we'll keep doing it when when when. Also, the Andy comes up. Salmon mm -hmm. made a um, a full on bingo. He sheet. did. Everybody, was, uh, there was at least one person looking forward to it, but then the it, the, the the joy was killed, and it never really got off the ground, did it? Just died. Well, we can reinstigate it just, here. It just died a death, never really went anywhere. Unfortunately, Although, will it? Be applicable now that we've got you off the out? Uh, I don't know. There was a tweet from Erdem uh, after the game at Stevenage when he said, well done, everyone. Great support from start to finish to, despite the nil-nil. And he finished it with Nolly Sideri. I very, very nearly went in with a hashtag straight red bingo. <laughs> but I, th I think it's passed. It's just gone. Hey-ho, never mind. Um, moving on. Something really good now. Crawley Town, fan engagement, without a doubt whatsoever, thanks to the likes of Joe and Tom and everybody at the club, it has increased massively over the last couple of years. Okay, And now it's been recognised because the club came 16th out of all 92 teams in the league um, in terms of the, it's called the Fan Engagement Index. Okay, So beating over half, maybe three quarters of the Premier League teams involved as well. In fact, there was a lot of League One, League Two teams in that top uh, 20. Crawley Town, 16th out of 92. It is scored on a combination of uh, governance, dialogue and transparency. 
Sounds okay. very efficient. So a combination of those three, and we do well over the over the combination of those three, which is fantastic. Keep up the great work, guys. Um, now, last bit on Broadfield Buzz, really, because we've got a big, big question coming up. Now, um, so Gabrielle Choffey has left, been at the club a year and a half-ish. Another person that's leaving that's been at the club for eight seasons, just in my maths in my head, it's Bruce Tolbert. He's off. He's going. It's crazy. It's, it's like I feel like he is the club. He, he's like behind the, the scenes. Furniture. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> he's like you go to the club. Bruce is there somewhere. You go on social media. Bruce is there somewhere. But no, after eight seasons or so, Bruce actually joined a few months after I did. I started uh, my first ever game was Forest Green Rovers in 2010 when Michelle Kuypers got sent off and we won 1-0. And uh, Bruce joined, I think it was just after the May United game, so I think he joined in sort of March 2011, and he's been there since. Um, and he joined when, let's be frank, our communications department was uh, pretty weak. Um, there was only five of us in the office at the time. It was me, Gail, um, Alan Williams, um, who I think Vic Marley was there half the time as well. Um, and um, Kelly wasn't there yet. We had somebody else in um, finance as well. And to be honest, we all just chipped in with the communications. I think Gail wrote 80% of the programme. Any adverts in the programme regards Christmas parties and uh, sort of uh, sportsman's dinners, I did the artwork for that on my sort of Windows 95 computer that was paint. It was a really, it was a real looking back now. It was proper, proper old school how it was done. So Bruce came in to improve all that, took on all the copywriting, the program content, all the social media, et cetera, et cetera. And we started looking a bit more professional than we were, which is great. And um, through his time, I think one thing that Bruce can look back on and, and something he's did incredibly well, he had probably three or four sort of sidekicks, apprentices during his time. And all three or four of those have gone on to absolutely incredible things so ben blackmore was his first sidekick i think then went on to work doing really well at coral now um young tom he went on to be the social media manager at southampton another guy I forget his name he went on to be the social manager um at south end so people under him go on to do amazing things and then craig most recently uh, i think went overseas to gibraltar and now yeah. he's come back was that william hill or something as well it was something yeah. like that yeah so down so in Yeovil. He's um, he's taught a lot of people a lot of things. Um, and I, he's, he's quite old, Bruce. I don't know if he's going into retirement, but he, I think I think he's uh, going down to possibly... I think he does a bit of work at Brighton, does a lot of work with the cricket as well. So, Bruce, thanks for all your hard work. Whatever you go on to do, um, I'm sure you'll um, provide plenty of um, great work where you go as well. And if I can shout it out on the podcast, it would be great to have Bruce on as a <gasps> guest. A reveal all. Well, just to hear about what his opinions of the club are over such a, a long period of time. He's seen so many different managers and so many different leagues, so many different times. He and must have some juicy goss. And chief execs and owners as well. Everything has changed during his time there. I'm sure he'll have some fantastic stories. We, we share some funny stories as well and maybe they'll come out as well. But we'll wait and see. So Bruce, there is an opportunity open to you to uh, be a guest on the Straight Red podcast. We very much hope to see you in the future. So, Jonathan, that is all I've got for Broadfield Buzz. Is there anything you want to add right at the end? Well, funny you should ask you, Ren. There is actually something that's been brewing away and uh, we have been chatting to a few of our sources here at Straight Red who we will protect the identity of because, you know, we like to keep everything a little bit now, more let's dr be dramatic. Clear, I haven't been involved in this at all. This this is you. This is your breaking news, okay? You can own this yourself. Do we have a jingle for this? We need a breaking news jingle. 
Anyway, the news is the Turkish, first of all, want £6 million for the club. But, uh, but, but, beg your pardon? What? £6 million. Have you got it? I haven't, no. Oh, you won't. If I did, I wouldn't give it to them either. You, <laughs> you, you won't be bidding. Someone who has apparently bid is Hong Kong Paul. I beg your pardon? But he doesn't have £6 million. Either. I mean, he might have £6 million. I, I, I think he's got a lot more than £6 million, quid, to be honest. But he doesn't think the club is worth £6 million, so he's not willing to hand that over. Shut the front door, Jonathan. So I think, I believe the Turkish bought the club for £1.2 million around that, that sort of area. That sounds about, I don't, I don't know the fact, but that sounds about the right kind of sum if it was going so to be sort of up for So just offer. a disclaimer here. I didn't research the exact sum they paid for it, so it may be slightly off, but I believe it was in that region. So what this is, they're asking for a, a six times profit on what on what they paid for for the club. I believe Paul, I don't know what figure he put in for the club, but it was nowhere near that six million asking figure. And uh, well, if this is true... Um, let, let's put a massive caveat on this, okay? Because what we don't want to do, we've done in the past, we've mentioned a few things, so we've only heard it from one or two sources. This is what... You've heard, Jonathan, from one, two people, maybe. So it's big news. If if it is true, it might be completely and utterly false. So therefore, we just want to say it's just come from... It's worth mentioning, that's all. It's that kind of news where it's it's only one or two people saying it, but we thought we'd just say, oh, by the way, yeah, there's and, this news. And it's there? not just one or two people at the side of the road. It's one or two people who have weight behind what, what they say. Um, and so, yeah, we thought we'd mention it. And if it does happen, then, you know, we can say, you know, you heard it here first on the Straight I mean, Red podcast. Personally, I am. I'm sceptical. I'm okay. going to sit here and say I'm sceptical. OK. Do you think Paul is not interested at all in, in investing in the club in that way? I think Paul is very interested in the club. I think he's got no interest whatsoever in ownership. So more of a benefactor, not as a known. I mean, we know for a fact that he's, he's helping with the scoreboard and the training ground, etc., etc. Um I completely hand on heart believe that is just love of the club. He was very much involved previously, doesn't want to see the club go downhill from where he brought it from and is now sitting um, and has been higher, of course. He doesn't want to see that drop back down again. I might be completely wrong. That's just my gut feeling that this is... Um, been, uh, this is um, not false information because whoever's saying it, I believe that they believe it is true as well. But in the same breath... I, I can't see it being factually 100% accurate. Well, there we have it. That was some potentially juicy information. Crikey. We'll see what happens in the, the coming weeks, months, years, however long it takes. Jonathan, that might be your best ever contribution to Broadfield Buzz. <laughs> well done. <laughs> So, Ewan, on to the big question, which always obviously gives us uh, a lot to talk about. And this week's uh, big question uh, is no different to that either. The big question for episode number 19 is your five-a-side Crawley Town team of the decade. What is it? Yeah, the, the decade. Can you believe it? The decade is almost up. Going back to 2010 very quickly, that is Michelle Kuyp. Is it Sergio Torres? It's Danny Borman. Where's Danny Borman now? Oh, yeah, he's still with us. All those legendary now players, Sergio Torres, etc., etc. We wanted to know your top five. Obviously, a goalkeeper, you want a striker and three players in between. Five a side team. The best five put together of the last decade. And this is the last show of the decade. Can you imagine? Not we've been going that long, so it's not that important, really. But anyway, your 
five-a-side team of the decade then. So first, Andy Salmon, Morris, McFadden, Bully, Torres, Collins. Hard to disagree with many of those. Mark, Portugal, the Mark said, Morris, Bradley, Bully, Torres and Tubbs. Roy Savage, Morris, Fads, Bully, Edward, Tubbs. We've already got a theme going here, haven't we? Peter Bellamy, Woodman, Fads, Bully, Mike Jones and Collins. Tim Pot on Parade said, Morris, your worth, Bullman, K.H., Carl Anahern, Grant, and Tubbs. Matt Howlett, Morris, Tubbs, Bullman, Howell, and Cox. Dean Howell, very nice. Uh, Chris Needham, Morris, Mills, McFadden, Smith, Collins, Tubbs. That is six, Chris. Five a side team. You have to cut one of those out. Alex Burke, Morris, Walsh, Simpson, Good answer. Clark and Tubbs. Billy Clark as well in there. Um, so we are getting some different names. Jed Jones, Woodman, Connolly, McFadson, Torres, Tubbs. Alan Harper said Morris, McFadson, Kamara, Alan, <laughs> Kamara, Edwards and Collins. Um, M. Michael said Morris, Yorworth, Adams, Bullman and Tubbs. James Bakey said Kuypers. McFadden, Bullman, Torres and Tubbs. Kuypers could be good in a five-a-side team, though. <sighs> Claude Davis could be good in goal in a five-a-side team. He's bloody <laughs> massive. Christian Kelly said, Morris, Fads, Bully, Clark, Tubbs. Matthew, the show pony, said, Morris, McFadden, Bullman, Torres and Tubbs. He made a really good point. If you're allowed a substitute, I'll take Matt Harold because he can double up as a goalkeeper. Yeah. Shrewd, like that, clever. Tom Cameron said, Morris, Walsh, Smith, Ahern, Grant and Collins. Carl Leonard, Glenn Morris, Mark Connolly, first Mark Connolly there, Hope Akpan, not many Hope Akpans, Sergio Torres and Panuche Kamara. That's an odd team, that one. Jay Baldwin, he said, nobody going for Akpan is a head loss. He said, Morris, Mark Connolly, Carl McFadden, Hope Akpan and Collins. Uh, Harry said, Morris, McFadden, Smith, Borman, Collins, Leopold. <laughs> Some people were just having a laugh, all right? Leopold said, Mersin, Leacock, Walton, Barnard and Polian. <laughs> um, maybe they wouldn't get it on the bloody Crawley Sunday five-a-side league, would they? Um, Dane Bubush. Uh, ben said, Flahaven, Davy, Tajbaksh, Barnard and Tomlin. Again, having a laugh, I think. Um, former Chief Exec Alan Williams said, Morris, McFadden, Bullman, Akpan and Tubbs. Hong Kong Paul said Morris, Walsh, Drury, Bullman and Tubbs. I forgot so, about Andy Drury, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I forgot Solid about player. a lot of people to be honest. Like Josh Simpson would never have been on my radar. I wouldn't have thought of Hope Akpan, but now you say him, thought, oh yeah, you know what, maybe. Um, but the correct answer, my answer, the correct answer we were looking for was Glenn Morris, Carl McFadden, Danny Bullman, Carl Anahern Grant and Matt Tubbs. So you can score yourself out of five points, depending on how many people you had out of that team there. There, there were so many options. If you'd said pick your fifth, top 15 from the last decade, it would have been very hard to narrow it down. Very um, interesting that I only chose one different player to you. And we, we haven't I, conspired about this at all. I was just about to ask, what is your... Five of the decade. Well, who who do you think is got the one to put player? Morris in goal. Don't be, yeah, if it's not yeah. Morris in goal, you can go home. Now. <laughs> um, Thankfully, I'm not going home. You've got to have Matt Tubbs up front. Yeah. Um, you've got to have Danny Borman as the engine in midfield, yeah, running absolutely everywhere. So it's between... I was torn between Carl McVadzin, um and maybe even somebody like... Oh, even like one of the current ones, like 
nobody said Joe McNerney. Nobody said Tony Cliff or, or Dallas and somebody like that. Maybe Pablo Mills. If you were just going for size and strength to to like scare the opposition, you'd put Claude Davis in there. But uh, Carl McFad's in? Yeah, I went for Carl McFad's in. It was him or Joe Walsh for me. And then the fifth, I think, I mean, those four, Morris, McFadden, Bournemouth Tubbs, they were strewn throughout those answers. It was the fifth player everybody had a different opinion on. For me, it is no doubt question whatsoever. One of our best players, if not the, of the last 10 years, wasn't with us for long, but made the biggest difference, Carl Anahern Grant. Yeah, he is a cracking player, but my mind immediately went to Gwen Edwards. Gwen Edwards! He only made a cut. Well, yeah, okay. He, he is a workhorse it. and he is super fast and has some feet about him. In the same sort of um, sort of mould as uh, Billy Clark and Nicky Adams, you could put any of those sort of three in that pitch. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and to be honest, there's no wrong answers. It's a bit of fun, um, but um, I, I do believe I'm correct. Now, <laughs> notably, there was not a single mention of Emmett O'Connor, the Canadian wizard. Went back home after not too long after being signed on his first ever contract from by John Gregory. Um, no mention of Bobson balling. What about Verheit? Thomas Verheit, no appearances. Claude, uh, Claude Davis didn't get a single mention. And um, I know he was rubbish for us, but he did go on to great things. Big John Akindi. Yeah. Not what, a single mention. What a player. Can't believe it. So thank you for your, all your answers. It was, it's been really great going through them. I mean, it, it was very short notice we gave the question. So if you answered after 6.30 or, or sort of, wait, 7.30 now, um, then with, keep answering But because um, it is a bit of fun. And we have loved looking through them. It's been absolutely great. Um, and I think now on, we'll try and make every big question just a little bit of fun because historically, it's been choffy and array. And it's generally been around a sort of a negative situation. Next one, Yem's in or out? No, <laughs> not <joking>. yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet too soon too soon we'll always just try and have a little bit of fun that's how this podcast works um that's the big question a little bit of added time yes so we're nearly coming to the end of the last podcast of 2019 or shall we term it the last podcast of the decade it's the lot unless something absolutely ridiculous happens over the next few weeks and we have to be drawn into this glass office over christmas away from our christmas festivities you will not hear from us until 2020 so ewan what are the final few points that you want to make in this podcast very sadly jonathan after that fun with um, the big question we do have to mention very sad news in case you missed it and I'm just going to read this from the club statement on the website Crawley Town are saddened to hear that our former player manager Brian Sparrow has died suddenly at the age of 57 after career after a career in the football league which began at Arsenal for whom he played two top flight games and included spells at Wimbledon Millwall and most notably Crystal Palace for whom he made 73 appearances as a full back Brian was appointed player manager of the Reds in May 1991 having joined the club when John Max was in charge in July 1990 from Enfield he then masterminded what was at the time our greatest run in the FA Cup which culminated in the first ever appearance in the third round against Brighton and Hove in 1992 a week later Brian left the club and was replaced as caretaker manager 
by Mags. He subsequently returned to Wimbledon as a reserve team manager, but later had a brief spell as caretaker manager during the 96-97 season. Uh, Brian remained local, living in Lingfield and managing his village team in the late 1990s. He returned to the People's Pension Stadium as a guest of the club in 2015 as a reunion, reunion of the team that had beaten Northampton 4-2 at the start of that memorable FA Cup run. And he followed the fortunes of the Reds and particularly his beloved Palace. Everyone at Crawley sends their sympathies to Brian's family at this sad time. Always, always terribly sad, uh, Jonathan, to, lead, to lose somebody um, so important to the, to the history of of the club and that that historic FA Cup run, which if you ever go into the press box at Crawley, there's loads of paper clippings and it's all about that FA Cup run. So um, our condolences as well. The, um, the the very last piece of added time for the decade, Jonathan, goes to GH coaches and the away travel. They always end our shows on Straight Red if you're a new listener. Um, so they've said, uh, message on Twitter, I'm going to read out. Our next away game is the trip to Oldham Athletic on Saturday, the 21st of December, departing the stadium at 7.30. The cost is 20 quid and includes a buffet lunch at the Kilton Inn in Nutsford. Please contact us if you want to travel to the game uh, by coach. So that's at ghcoaches on Twitter or ghcoaches.co.uk um, on the internet or just get in touch with Pat Allen anywhere you see them. They're every single game, they'll be at the next home game as well. Um, just scout them out somewhere if you want to travel in a little bit of style, very cheaply and also get some lunch at the same time. So um, Jonathan, th that's us all done. That's episode 19. I've just realised something. Episode 2020... Sorry, episode 20 is going to be in 2020. <laughs> yeah, you got a bit too happy there. Oh, I mocked that yeah. bit Well, no, that's still cool. Yes, no, I just realised that as well, actually. Well, yeah, how amazing is that? Episode 20 it's in 2020. Like, it's almost like we did it on purpose. Um, we ain't that clever. No, no way we could have predicted that. But um, there you go. So thank you very much for listening um, all this year. I, we, should, we should say Merry Christmas now, so shouldn't yeah, we? Merry Christmas. Yeah. It feels a bit wrong to say it on the 9th of December, which was when we were recording hey, this. I am nine chocolates into my advent calendar. So it is, it is getting close to Christmas. So have a wonderful Christmas. Thanks for listening all this year. Can't wait to bring you more in 2020 and beyond. Leave us all your feedback. Like, tell your friends. We still get the odd new listener one or two per episode so tell people at the club um, if they want to listen in and chip in give us your feedback we love listening to it reacting and changing the show and we'll keep changing it until it's um, close to perfect I suppose it's going to take a long time but again from me and Jonathan thank you very much see you soon Merry Christmas Happy New Year see you in 2020 bye bye bye